Get Back to Basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. And a very good afternoon to you and welcome. Lovely to be in your company. Coming to you live from uh, the HiFM studios here in Johannesburg. It is just going 11 minutes past two on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon. A little bit warm outside. But beautifully cool here in the studio and uh, therefore a pleasure to sit here today and share some thoughts with you. What I thought of uh, discussing today is perhaps something that interestingly enough was raised last week by the World Cup Rugby Final. And that was, when does Shabbat begin and when does Shabbat end? And the reason I say it was raised by the World Cup Rugby Final was because there were many people who were kind of thinking of different ways that we could get around the ability to watch the Rugby World Cup final live. And as everybody knows, it came out here between 11 and approximately 12.30 on Shabbat, middle of the day. And yet, in uh, Japan, where it took place, Shabbat was already out. It was already after Shabbat, so maybe, you know, kind of the inception of the whole story and the people working there on the ground and the type of uploading that had to be done for the videos and the or the uh, <coughs> the live transmission to be carried, is uh, that okay? You know, couldn't it have been deemed that that was all right? Um, well, the problem is that Shabbat is Shabbat wherever you are in the world at the time of Saturday. Have you ever thought about it? The world is designed, and everybody around the world, no matter whether they are uh, Jewish or not Jewish, whether they are a Christian or Muslim, whether you are um, on this side of the equator or the other, or which side of the world you're on, Shabbat is on Saturday. Now, somewhere, somehow, people decided that this would be the beginning of the day and it would be the end of the day. And somehow people decided that this would be the beginning of the week and the end of the week. And then you've got all sorts of problems in a world that is <laughs> divided that way because there's something called a dateline. And the dateline, as you well know, runs in the Pacific Ocean between the Americas and um, Australia kind of thing. And that's where there is a dateline. In other words, on one side of the dateline, it is one day. On the other side of the dateline, it is the other and surely that was created by man. So how does all of this Shabbat beginning and ending ending actually uh, come into play? Could I not be sitting here in Johannesburg and say, um, I'm, I really like the idea of bringing in Shabbat and taking it out when it is Shabbat in and out in Japan. So today I'm keeping a Japanese Shabbat. You know, it's become a modern thing, I guess, in people's uh, <coughs> minds and uh, in the things that we do that you make a Japanese dinner or you make a uh, Chinese dinner or you make a uh, Mexican dinner. You use certain themes. Could I not maybe make a Japanese Shabbat, certainly on the weekend of the World Cup final, and in that way bring in Shabbat and take it out when Shabbat begins and ends in Japan? The answer, I think, is I think is absolutely blatantly clear from uh, Torah. And as we said before, Shabbat is Shabbat in the place that you are in. And I think that our very first margin that is given to us is actually given right in the beginning of the story of the creation of the world. When God creates the world, we're told very clearly that Jewish days and dates are going to begin with the evening 
And they are going to end with the following evening. Vayihi Erev, Vayihi Boker, Yom Echad, Yom Sheni, Yom Shlishi, etc. The days begin in the evening. Now, yes, of course, we needed some later um, ideas and uh, interpretations and um, input from Torah to tell us that the beginning of that time is a time that we would call sunset. When the sun sets, no matter where you are, that is the beginning of a day. And therefore, Shabbat begins when the sun sets on Friday evening. That is the beginning of Shabbat, as it is, by the way, for the beginning of any of our Chagim, any of our festivals as well, as well as any day or date that you're keeping, perhaps even a Yorzeit or a birthday that you're celebrating, it um, begins with sunset. Now, that's pretty easy to look up today because um, most um, smartphones um, carry a calendar right in the front of your phone and along the line there of the different time zones and the weather and so on that you have um, on your phone, it will tell you when sunrise and sunset is each and every day. So if you were to take a look at it today, and I'm not looking at it now, but you would probably find that sunset this evening is approximately, I guess, about um, 6 28, somewhere around there. That is probably today's time of sunset. So, strictly speaking, then if today was Friday, 6.28 would be the actual beginning of Shabbat. But in fact, we see that that's not the time that is um, dished out to us and given to us on a calendar. If you were to take a look at any calendar that tells us about candle lighting time, which we know is the inception of Shabbat in a Jewish home, and in the Jewish world, candle lighting time will actually be some time earlier. And in fact, if you look at it carefully, it will always be exactly 18 minutes earlier. Certainly in Johannesburg and in most cities around the world, it is 18 minutes. That is the special time that is added on from the time going backwards from the time of uh, sunset Back into Friday, in other words, getting earlier, 18 minutes before sunset is the time that is, um, is given as the candle lighting time for Shabbat. Now, if we take a look at the end of Shabbat, we'll notice that sunset, while it heralds the arrival, it brings in the arrival of a new day, doesn't seem to mark the end of a day, although sunset should if the new day is coming in, sunset should surely mark the end of the old day. But we see that it's not <coughs> not the case. In fact, the sunset, if it was at sixteen at at six twenty eight rather um, this evening, um, and let's say tomorrow night is six uh, twenty nine, you'll see that Shabbat goes out only at about five or six minutes past seven. If we look forward to this coming Shabbat, I think those are more or less the times. About six minutes past seven is when Shabbat goes out. So why is it that that is later? And the reason is that we actually need to wait for the end of Shabbat until nightfall. And in fact, even there, a significant amount of time is actually added on. A number of minutes are added on. And you'll sometimes find, for instance, that um, a fast, for instance, in a week will end approximately 10 minutes earlier than the end of Shabbat 
um, that surrounds that fast, either the Shabbat before or the Shabbat afterwards, um, depending on, um, a, give or take a few minutes here or there. So we're talking about Advent of Shabbat, beginning of Shabbat, sunset, end of Shabbat, nightfall. Now, um, many, many people have uh, certain issues problems, questions uh, that they ask about these particular times, and mainly they are to do with how negotiable are those times? Is there any room to maneuver around those times? Can we bring in Shabbat earlier? Which would be rare for people to actually ask, although it often happens. We do bring in Shabbat earlier. Can we bring in Shabbat any later? Can we take Shabbat out earlier, and can we take Shabbat out any later. We'll be back with you right after this to try and explain some of those reasons. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. There was an interesting debate that ensued between various different sectors of the Jewish community um, who happened to end up in Shanghai. Um, at the time, just before, just during the uh, Second World War, you remember there were a number of visas that were famously granted to students, um, to people, to uh, Jews who were able to make their um, escape from uh, the, the the Nazi onslaught in Eastern Europe, and they were able to slip out through the good favor of some incredible individuals who saved their lives and gave them these passes, these visas, these life-saving visas to allow them to travel to um, through Shanghai. And in Shanghai, uh, various yeshivot were set up, and there was a debate that ensued in a place like that about when does Shabbat begin and when does Shabbat end. Now, the debate was a little bit different there um, to just thinking about it coming in a few hours earlier, a few hours later, but it was much more based on something really rooted in a halachic decision and in a little bit of a philosophical debate, because the question that arose there was because Shanghai is so far um, to the east of Jerusalem, of Israel, that therefore a large, large part of the day is not the same as the day where Shabbat is being kept in Israel. And the question then arose as to where actually the date line should be. And there are some who believe, who feel from a halachic point of view, from a Jewish point of view, that Israel is and should be the marker. Israel should be the place that we all keep Shabbat according to. So in other words, if we were to uh, to travel east or we were to travel west from Israel, <coughs> if we went over a certain number of hours, so to speak, or a certain number of uh, lines of uh, longitude, that in fact we would go out of Shabbat or go out of the throes of Shabbat of Israel to the east or to the west, depending on which direction you're traveling, and therefore... Um, you would not be keeping Shabbat once you had gone beyond that point. You would not be keeping Shabbat the same as Israel. And so kind of the debate was who decided that Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday should actually be in that order. Maybe in the time that it is Saturday in um, Israel, and if you were to go then um, 
180 degrees, I think it is, around to the other side of the world that is directly opposite it, um, who decides where that dateline actually should be? And maybe a place like Shanghai and I guess places in the um, uh, other places in the Far East, the same thing would apply, as well as um, in New Zealand and so on, that um, if people are in those places, maybe the decision of when Shabbat should be should actually be based on Israel. When the majority of the day is similar to Israel. When it's Shabbat in Israel, it should be Shabbat there, at least for the majority of the day, understanding that you can't line up the entire day. And um, many, many different authorities were asked by these various yeshivot and students um, as and, and, and leaders of the yeshivot who were there at the time um, were asked and they sent out the questions around the world to uh, discover, find out what the various sages around the world at the time thought. And interestingly enough, there were very few responses, I understand. Um, but one said that, in fact, what should happen is in a place like Shanghai, Shabbat should actually be kept for two days. Now, not entirely, but on the one day on which Shabbat is predominantly the same as in Israel, in other words, when the hours kind of lined up to Israel, that should be deemed to be Shabbat, and um, the next day should be kept as a day on which nothing is done that would that could desecrate Shabbat, so in other words, no uh, driving, no handling of money, no smoking, etc., but weekday davening has to be done because it is actually not officially, not really Shabbat. And the idea, therefore, based on when it's Shabbat in Israel, that which should dictate when it's Saturday in whichever part of the world you are in. The other diametrically opposed view was actually based on something from a Mishnah. And the plain story of the Mishnah is that what happens if you're washed up in a shipwreck, God forbid, and you end up on a desert island, and how do you discern, how do you decide when it is Shabbat? Well, and you're disoriented. You don't know what day of the week it is. Um, it, uh, the Mishnah actually tells us that you need to start counting. So you would count days. And six days um, would be days of work, in inverted commas, if there was anything for you to do on the desert island. And the seventh day would be Shabbat. So in other words, the Mishnah is telling us and doesn't actually mention anything to do with when it's Shabbat in Israel. Shabbat is relative to the six days of work that come before. And therefore... The authorities who went along with this view seem to say that, or they definitely said, that Shabbat is actually something that is related to the six days that went before it. In other words, it matters not where you are if it is deemed that there was a six-day week and then the seventh day is Shabbat. That is how Shabbat is decided, not linked to a time zone, not linked to a place in Israel, but the place where you are when the sun sets on Friday becomes Shabbat on what is deemed to be, in inverted commas, Saturday, the seventh day of the week. And it comes out at nightfall of the following day. And therefore, this is actually what we really live by. We go by the fact that Shabbat is Shabbat in the place that you are. And at that time, when it gets dark, when the sun sets, that then becomes Shabbat. Now, the fact is that our sages saw fit to add on to Shabbat. Add on at the end and add on at the beginning. A few minutes at the end and 18 minutes 
certainly in most cities, and I mention again most cities, because in Jerusalem, um, actually 26 minutes are added on to Shabbat in the beginning. So candlelighting in Jerusalem is a lot earlier than any other city in Israel. But that is a Jerusalem custom. Um, everywhere else, it is 18 minutes. 18 minutes before Shabbat, we add on um, that extra time, and that is the time that we then deem, and we call it candlelighting time. So you'll see that candlelighting time would not be at the time of sunset, which is 628 um, today. Candlelighting time is more likely going to be um, 10 minutes past, 11 minutes past um, 6 for this coming week. And that then is the actual time when women should light candles. Now, what happens if a woman is, for whatever reason, delayed? There is something urgent that happens. She doesn't realize the time. Um, can she light a little bit later? Well, she can on condition that it was not intentional, on condition that it wasn't something that she just decided, well, tonight, you know what, I'm going to light a little bit later, or that she makes it into a practice that um, every week she lights late. That cannot be because otherwise we're playing games with the candle lighting time. Candle lighting time is a fixed time, and that fixed time needs to be adhered to. So in other words, women should light candles before for instance, to, um, Friday night will be 11 minutes past six. She must light candles before 11 minutes past six. And the candles should burn into the night. They should, of course, be on your uh, Shabbat, your Friday night table, in order to illuminate, to bring the godly light that those candles do bring. But they also do instruct the advent of Shabbat. So what happens if a woman wants to light candles a little bit earlier? She's done everything, and she would like to rather light candles earlier, may she? And the answer is yes, as long as it's not too early. So she cannot light candles at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, but she could certainly light at uh, 5 to 10 to 6. She could light a little bit earlier and add on to Shabbat in that way and therefore increase the light of Shabbat a little bit earlier. But once a woman has lit candles... She has taken Shabbat upon herself as well as upon the home. So from that moment on, nothing else should be done that would otherwise desecrate Shabbat in the home, within the family, um, etc. Unless, of course, for instance, a husband is, uh, so to speak, on his way to shul, he could make the mental note or um, even stipulate practically that he will accept Shabbat upon himself the moment he gets to shul. Nowhere can we go over the 18-minute mark. So in other words, the 628 mark, the mark that we called sunset, may not be desecrated. It may not be played with at all. And the whole idea of bringing Shabbat in a little bit earlier is that we don't come close in any way, God forbid, of desecrating Shabbat by um, actually doing the wrong thing. Lighting candles, driving in a car, handling money, doing business, um, watching television, whatever it may be, after the 628 mark, and I'm just using the examples of today or the coming Shabbat, um, we ensure that we don't go over that mark of sunset, but we rather can in an emergency situation, let's call it, or in a situation where um, ex post facto, it just happened that way, that I didn't light candles and now it's five minutes late, can I? Yes, you can. Not only can you, you definitely should. We need to make sure that we light candles. Now, lighting of candles is one of the mitzvot 
that is given to the woman, and women need to be very careful with candle lighting. It cannot be played with. It cannot be toyed with. It's not something for you just to decide this week I'm going to light and next week I'm not going to light or I don't feel like it or I had a bad day and therefore tonight I'm going on strike and I'm just not lighting candles. We need to light candles. We need to remember that it's not only for you. You're doing it for your husband, your family, your children, and your community, the Jewish people, and in fact for the entire world. Bringing the light of Shabbat into the world is um, the very beautiful gift that was given to Jewish women, and therefore women should be very careful to make sure that every week they light candles. What happens if you don't? What happens if you intended to light candles, you wanted to light candles, you always do light candles, but for whatever reason you forgot. it. Uh, something happened and it just didn't practically happen, and now it's past the sunset time, then you may not light um, after that time, um, that is the only time that you then may not light. You may not light your candles. You may not instruct somebody else to light them for you. You should not light candles. But the following week, it is customary that for the following week, and many say from then on for the rest of your life, you should light an extra candle to uh, ensure that the light that you uh, perhaps neglected to bring into the world for that particular Shabbat is compensated for, is certainly made up in the coming week or weeks that follow thereafter. What about the end of Shabbat? The end of Shabbat is again a time that is fixed and it's a time that we should not play with by bringing it earlier in any way. Now, a lot of people, certainly when you were growing up, I'm sure that people used to say, you know, Shabbat is out when three stars appear. Now, there is room for that, and the idea of three stars appearing um, would be something that could be utilized if you don't have a calendar, if you don't have the ability to actually see practically when Shabbat is out. So you would look at the night sky, and you would need to see three stars. Now, three stars is not just three stars anywhere in the whole um, uh, sky, but it would be three stars that have to be seen in one look without moving your head kind of thing in one direction, that there are three bright stars that are, that, that are burning bright. You can then be sure that it's dark enough to be considered as nightfall. And you will usually find that that is really practically the time that Shabbat is out according to your calendar. But we don't go looking for the stars. We don't need to. We have these times uh, written up for us. We have them advertised all over the place in newspapers and uh, um, on our uh, cell phones and our apps and so on. So we can certainly check these things beforehand and we know exactly when Shabbat is out. We may not, may not bring it earlier. But here too, we may extend Shabbat. Shabbat may be extended until midnight. We could continue with Shabbat. We don't need to make Havdalah the uh, sanctification prayer that is said at the end of Shabbat to, or the uh, differentiation prayer, so to speak, that is said at the end of Shabbat to take Shabbat out and bring in the week, that may be said a um, lot later in the evening than the five past or ten past six, but we certainly may not bring it any earlier. These are fixed times, fixed for each place. doesn't matter what time Shabbat is in Japan, and strangely enough, even Israel, but it matters what time Shabbat is in the city that you're living in, right here in Johannesburg. Back with you right after this. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Another verse in Torah says, remember the Shabbat day to sanctify it. Sanctify it. This is from Exodus 20, verse 8. This verse is a Torah command to sanctify the Shabbat twice, 
once when it enters and when it departs. Our sages instituted that this sanctification of Shabbat, this is accompanied by a cup of wine or grape juice, and this we call Kiddush. And we therefore recite Kiddush at the beginning of the uh, Shabbat as well as at the beginning of the main Shabbat meal, which is lunchtime. Now, we've got to remember that uh, the fact that Kiddush is something that we are going to say to herald the arrival of Shabbat, there should be and there needs to be a gap, a time gap before Kiddush, during which nothing is eaten or drunk. So from the time that Shabbat comes in, in other words, from the time of candle lighting, or if uh, you are going into those 18 minutes, definitely from the time of sunset, until you have heard Kiddush, and Kiddush should only be made after nightfall and certainly after Kabbalat Shabbat, after accepting Shabbat, which is done in shul, preferably after we have davened, after we have prayed the evening prayer, Kiddush is made, and that Kiddush say, said over the cup of wine, said over the cup of grape juice, then um, announces that we are hereby sanctifying this Shabbat, and then we would begin our Friday night meal. Um, there is a, a little bit of a um, an issue that people have of late um, uh, been doing, which is actually incorrect from a Kiddush point of view, and that is that people have pre-Kiddush drinks. You have pre-Kiddush drinks. If you're going to have it in the afternoon before Shabbat comes in, that is one issue. That's one story. Um, but once Shabbat has arrived, to actually eat or drink anything is uh, really halachically completely incorrect. We should make sure that the first thing that you do upon arrival at home after shul on Friday night or when you come to your Shabbat meal should be the making of Kiddush. So do that first, have the drinks later. Um, and then once one has made Kiddush, actually you need to immediately go and wash your hands for Hamotzi. You've got to begin a meal or at least eat something that would constitute a meal, uh, a piece of cake, mazonot, biscuits, etc., um, or whatever it is, in order to constitute the meal um, because we only make Kiddush at the place of a meal and we should not be having drinks, we should not be serving other things or pass arounds or whatever before Kiddush is made. Kiddush should be the very first thing that is done and we need to try if we're not doing that to get back to that kind of basic idea of the making of Kiddush in the home once we arrive home from shul or once the family gets together or once the guests have arrived um, on a Friday evening and by the way repeat it again at Shabbat lunchtime although there more often than not many people have heard Kiddush in shul Kiddush in shul, again, cannot just be the hearing of the Kiddush um, set over the cup of wine. It has to be together with samits, with a meal, with a brocha, as it's known um, in uh, these parts, in this uh, this country, the idea of a brocha. Um, that is fine. And then one has heard the recitation of Kiddush. Kiddush, by the way, applies equally to men and women. One should not think that this is a men's only thing. While very often it is made by men, but if there are no men around, women should make it. Women are obligated to hear Kiddush, even though it is a time-bound mitzvah, as they are to hear Havdalah, 
the um, sanctification at the end of Shabbat that takes place over the uh, candle, the spices, um, and the cup of wine that we do traditionally at the end of Shabbat. Be back with you right after this. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Let's just go through a few interesting things about Kiddush. The saying of Kiddush, there are a lot of different customs. Some people say Kiddush standing, some do it sitting. I don't think there is anything that um, actually um, dominates. Uh, There are some people who just have the custom to stand or to sit. It seems to be that when we say the Friday night Kiddush, that certainly for the first part, when we're saying the Vayachulu part, that everybody seems to be of the opinion that you should rather be standing. And if you sit down thereafter, that is not such a big deal. And then many people sit down for Kiddush on Shabbat day. The person saying Kiddush should uh, make all the brachot, holding the cup of wine. And the person saying Kiddush needs to drink at least um, half of the cup of wine or um, whatever beverage he is using to make Kiddush, um, whether it's grape juice or wine, he should drink um, at least half of that cup, the raw of course, the majority of that cup, um, and then he may distribute to others, and each person taking from the Kiddush should make their own bracha, bore pri hagafen, although the Kiddush that is said, the sanctification prayers, and the Mekadesh HaShabbat and so on, are only said by the one who pronounces, who said the, says the Kiddush for everybody else. <coughs> Kiddush cup should be clean and the Kiddush cup should uh, be complete. It should not be chipped. It should not be cracked. You shouldn't make it out of a broken cup, a styrofoam cup. It is something of chashivut. It is something of um, a significance and importance. And we should um, um, certainly bring it in in such a way, making sure that the cup is uh, perfect and is good. It should be held in our right hand if you're right-handed, left hand if you're left-handed. In other words, showing the strength um, with which we want to um, uh, do this um, beautiful sanctification of Shabbat. The um, Kiddush should, as we said, be followed by the meal. And Kiddush, if somebody else is making Kiddush, they should not use uh, the wine from the cup that somebody else has drunk from. You should rather pour off that wine and uh, use fresh wine to make Kiddush on, once again, showing the significance, the importance of the making of Kiddush, the sanctification of Shabbat. So let's make sure that as we're getting ready, as everybody is getting ready for the Shabbat project and a couple of weeks' time, let's make sure that we are um, au fait with our rules and regulations pertaining to the advent of Shabbat, the exit of Shabbat, Kiddush, and all these wonderful things in order to ensure that we're keeping Shabbat just a little better um, and just a little bit more pedantically, just a little bit more in the way that we should um, in order to make it all the more significant, all the more beautiful, and make sure that we're not infringing anything, God forbid, or showing any reluctance or any lack um, in our performance of this beautiful, beautiful mitzvah called Shabbat. Remember, as our sages have taught us, that much more than uh, the Jewish people have kept Shabbat, Shabbat has kept the Jewish people. I want to wish you a great rest of the week, a great Shabbat up ahead. Look forward to being back with you again, same time, same place, next week on Judaism 101.9.